0: Today is July 8th, 2021, and our first story, marketplaces have begun panic buying foods in anticipation of escalating costs. But some of these stores can't even get the food they're trying to buy because the shortages are getting worse. Why is the mainstream media talking about this more? To make it worse, it seems like NBC is trying to claim that inflation is actually a good thing because your wages will go up something big seems to be coming. In our next story, a teacher who was forced to resign for teaching six-year-olds how to pleasure themselves is being defended with a puff piece in the New York Times. In our last story, Black Lives Matter in Utah says the American flag is a symbol of hate and anyone who waves it is a racist. Before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like this show, please share it with your friends to help spread the word. It's the best way to help grow a podcast. Now, let's get into that first story. Over the past several months, we've heard stories about escalating prices, gas prices, food prices. And we've heard about stores running out of certain foods and distributors running out of certain foods. I've heard stories about people panic buying certain items, and I don't think too much about it. If, if an individual starts buying up all the chicken or toilet paper, I think maybe that person is out of it. Maybe they know something, but it's just one person. Now, you can get worried if people panic buy certain items because they can cause shortages artificially. But now we've got the story that grocery stores are stockpiling food, frozen meats, and cleaning supplies in fear of rising costs. They're betting That if they buy more of their food right now, they can sell it later after inflation and protect their buying power. But this says something interesting. Speculating on gold or cryptocurrency, I get. You think this is going to become more valuable in the future, and who knows how long it'll take. Grocery stores are effectively speculating on perishable goods. So this kind of freaked me out, because what do these grocery stores know that we don't? I think they know the very obvious reality that inflation is going to get substantially worse over the next four to 12 months, and probably much worse after that. And the shortages may be getting worse as well. You see, restaurants have known this. They've been trying to buy up beef and chicken and other meats, and I think even eggs. They've been having a hard go of it because there are shortages. There's also labor shortages, driver shortages. And it's not just here in the US. It's affecting the UK as well. When an individual, as I stated, starts stockpiling, I'm like, eh, well, you know, prepper is going to prep, right? But when the grocery stores are seeing on the distribution end an inability to buy certain goods, a lack of drivers, deliveries possibly showing up late. So they say we better buy as much as we can right now. That to me is a very serious red flag. Now, here's what I do. I take a look at the stories about shortages, gas prices, and things we might need. And I see a bunch of stories, but there's also something weird about this. Where's the big mainstream coverage? Where are the cable news networks? Where are the the, the newspapers, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal saying, heads up, things could get bad. Now, of course, the Wall Street Journal did cover grocery stores stockpiling all of this food. But when you look up food shortages, you get a bunch of stories from local news outlets. Perhaps these local outlets are noticing a trend. In their area when you zoom out to the bigger picture it's like I've been saying for the past several months something bad is on the horizon these stores seem to know it and perhaps we can't exactly predict what's going to happen but I have reason to believe I think we're in for some hard times why beef shortages bacon shortages chicken shortages prices on the rise no drivers no labor nobody wanting to work so what happens next I don't know I don't know but I hope you've been paying attention to what they're not telling you. You know, a lot of us are distracted by culture war issues. Brian Stelter comes on the TV on CNN and says, Tucker Carlson is the new Alex Jones. And we all go, oh, well, that's crazy. Now, it's important we talk about those things because political extremism is tearing this country apart, but maybe it's all a distraction. UFOs, they say, the UFO, UFO report is out, and we can't explain any of this. And we're like, wow. Meanwhile, They're chucking loaves of bread at us, bread and circuses to keep us distracted from what might actually cause disruption. What causes revolution? It is not powerful pundits screaming about other powerful pundits or a king being despised, partly, mostly. It's about a lack of food and access to resources. And when people start realizing it's getting bad, and they will regardless of the media coverage, then things start lighting up, figuratively speaking. People are going to go to the stores. They're going to notice notice what's happening. And what do we get now? I tell you, one of the craziest stories we've seen, CNBC, the upside to inflation, rising wages. What? That's right. The official narrative is don't be scared that you can't find food or that it costs 25% more. Eventually, your salary will increase too. Now, this is crazy to me. They're trying to act like all the bad stuff that's happening. Actually good. Actually a good thing. Let's talk about this. Let's take a look at what's going on with these grocery store stockpiling, why they're doing it and what it means for you. And I hope, I hope you are paying attention before we get started. Head over to Timcast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to our members area. Right now we've got one show. We got the Timcast members only podcast with our guests from the Timcast IRL Podcast, exclusive for you, talking about all the things YouTube does not want us talking about. But we're gonna be adding more shows on Shows. We're adding more journalists, we're gonna add guest opinion columns. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have audio-only versions. With your membership, you are helping us grow this company, expand and report the real news with real fact checkers to challenge that establishment and their narrative. But don't forget, you can also help out by liking this video right now, subscribing to this channel and sharing this video with your friends and family. Anybody you think should hear this. This is not about politics. We'll get a little political for sure, because there is an administration that is running things as, as we see uh, uh, right now. This is mostly about The immediate effect of of the policies, what's happening. This is what you need to know about. Now, I don't know where this leads to, but when you got stores stockpiling frozen meat and that expires, doesn't that kind of weird you out? They're expecting this meat to be sold in the next few months, which says to me, they think something bad is going to happen in the next few months. That's why it's important we talk about this stuff. Here's a story from Business Insider. Grocery stores are stockpiling food and cleaning supplies amid rising costs and demand. They say Paul McLean, the chief merchandising officer of Stu Leonard's, told Insider that the supermarket chain is purchasing 50% more inventory than usual, and that they've bought ahead whenever possible to protect margins. He specifically mentioned buying more paper products and imported goods like pasta sauce, pasta, and olive oil. We're buying more ingredients for home cooks, including flour and spices. We're also buying ahead on cleaning products for the fall and back to school. McLean added, they've seen an increase in sales of lobster, shrimp, prime meat, and organic produce, with frozen food sales increasing 20% over the past year. Some grocery stores are running into issues getting everything they've ordered from suppliers. The Wall Street Journal first reported on Tuesday, it runs the risk of making a bad situation work worse. Mark Griffin, president of B&R Stores, Inc., told the journal, pay attention to this, please. You've seen what happens when regular people run out the door and try and buy up all the beans, right? Then there's no beans for you, not because there's a shortage of beans, but because one dude bought them all from the store. When a bunch of crazy people run to the store, they buy up all of one product. There's none for you. But once the restockers come out, they can put the beans back because the truth is there there are copious amounts of beans for everybody. But when there's a sudden surge in demand, that creates shortages. They are telling us right now that even the markets are having trouble filling their orders. They're buying more. They're scared. The panicking has moved up to the next level. Now, distributors may start getting squeezed out in a similar way. But this means the shortages are getting real. If the shortage is just that too many people are buying in the immediate, I mean, those people are eating that food. Food expires. Now, I get it. Beans can last a couple of years, but frozen meat? That was an alarm bell to me. Frozen meat does not last that long. Check this out. I pulled it up. I fact-checked this stuff. Healthline. Can I still eat it? Freezer. You can keep steaks for 6 to 12 months. Chicken for up to 9 months. Pork chops are okay from 4 to 6 months. Lean fish, 6 to 8 months. Fatty fish, 2 to 3 months. Think about what that means. On the low end, a steak may only last 6 months. Now, who's going to the store and saying, I'd like your 3-month-old frozen steak? It's probably going to taste terrible. Tastes like freezer. They don't want to sell to you stuff that's about to go bad. But they're expecting within this time period, the product to move off their shelves. Let me now slow down and explain to you why this freaks me out. Let's say it's not about inflation. It's about product shortages and something really bad coming on the horizon. If they're buying more meat saying there's more demand, Regular people are cleaning off the shelves at the supermarket. Now, I mentioned there can be an artificial shortage caused by one person buying up everything. But if people in general general are buying up as much as they can, when there's no real panic or mainstream news about this, that means the demand is just there for this food. People want to eat. The store then says, we need to carry more of this food because we're selling more of this food. So they do. Now they can't fill their orders. We're now at the point where the shortage has reached the distributor level. What comes next? Distributors can't produce enough. People don't get enough food. And like I said, what causes revolutions when people don't get enough food? Now I'm not saying that we're gonna see a revolution or some kind of crazy catastrophe. I'm just letting you know. The, 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 the panic selling, the panic buying, the shortages are expanding to the next level. Check check a look at take a look at this. Check this out. I was mixing them up. ABC Cincinnati. Local restaurants struggle with supplies, employee shortages as economy reopens. Now, I can say something very simple as to why this is happening. But still, it doesn't change the fact that the disruption is potentially on the way that could affect you. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. When all of these small businesses shut down because of COVID, people probably ate out very often. As that article said, a lot of these stores are saying people are cooking at home more. Makes sense. Your favorite restaurant got shut down. You were forced to stay home. So there's a bigger demand on supermarkets. They can't handle the load. Hopefully, what this means is the shortages we're seeing are just kind of like you ever take a, a, a rope and you whip it and you can watch that wave travel down the rope. Hopefully, that's all we're dealing with. And once the whip cracks, supply normalizes. But local restaurants that are open still can't get supplies. And that's where I think things are starting to get freaky. Now, I could argue that stores, stores shut down, so people are eating at home more often. I think it's a fair point to make. But when the restaurants that are still open can't get supplies either. Okay, now I'm like, uh, I hope y'all have been paying attention. Now, we may be Paranoid. You know, Maybe the people who are just swimming in ignorance, hey, that's bliss, right? They're they're not going to pay attention to any of this. They're going to go to the store. They're going to be like, I guess we're out of beef today. And they're going to go buy mac and cheese or something. Maybe. Maybe the shortages get worse. The restaurants can't get the supplies they need. We've seen that over the past several months. How many times have I done segments about this? The supermarkets are now saying they can't fill their orders. And they're trying to buy up quickly in fear of inflation. What if it gets worse? Do you want to be that person fighting over the last can of beans in the parking lot of a Stew Leonard's? That's the people who aren't paying attention. That's why it's so important to focus on the news and to know what's happening. Now, you may go out and, and don't panic buy. You make things worse when you do this. But make sure you've got your standard supply of goods. Don't put off going to the grocery store. What happens right now? If you go buy a can of, I don't know, a, a bin of beans that last 30 years, I got a bunch. We got a bunch of this 25-year uh, freezer uh, freeze-dried food. Your worst case scenario is you eat it. Well, I guess your worst case scenario is there's a massive panic, a revolution, people are starving, and you're huddling in your basement holding your can of emergency food, but I don't think that's particularly likely. No, if if nothing really happens and the world is fine, you know, I did, I cracked open one of the bins, we had strong enough, it was delicious. I don't got to worry about it. It's just food. You, You eat food. But what if you don't pay attention and you're not prepared? You don't got to prepare for the apocalypse or a revolution or a revolt or a collapse or whatever, but it certainly feels like things are getting worse. You don't have to think the world is going to end to want to have some emergency supplies. Anybody tells you who mocks you, well, let let them be the one left holding the bag, knocking on your door, begging, because we all learned the story of the ants and the grasshopper, right? Grasshopper was like, yo, I'm not preparing for winter. I don't care. Y'all are dumb ants. And the ants are all like, dude, you better get that food ready because winter's are coming. And then winter came and the grasshopper was like, please feed me. They laughed and he froze to death. <laughs> like That's the actual story. I think in like the modern adaptation, the ants share their plentiful bounty and the grasshopper learns his lesson. But like the original story was the grasshopper just starves. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to be the grasshopper. Be the industrious ant who prepares for the winter. Now about that media. And I mentioned they're not really telling us about this for the most part. I mean, the Wall Street Journal did report this, and Business Insider is telling us about this. But where are all the big stories? Why is it a local news outlet telling us that there's shortages? Why is it what look, North North Texas restaurants struggling with food shortages? July 6th. This is what This is huge to me. Because I I go on Google and I search these stories to follow up. I see, I see a story. Grocery stores running low, stockpiling. And I say, wow, I wonder why. So I start doing some investigating, start digging. And then I see all of these local outlets talking about how they're facing these shortages too. And then I'm like, why isn't the New York Times talking about all of these local jurisdictions saying that they can't get food? I don't know. Maybe they don't care. Maybe the media has evolved into pro-Trump, anti-Trump. And that's all we're ever going to have for the rest of our lives. The New York Times says, can we talk about Tucker Carlson and the NSA? That's appealing. I talk about that too. How often do they talk about, uh, in, in the high-level cable news, China and war? Sometimes I try to talk about what I think is most important. I look at the stories of the day and I say, here's the story I feel is most important. But I produce something like, this is, this is crazy. I'm doing four hours of podcast every single day. Four hours. I was recently told by a podcast network, I do more than anybody else because I'm a lunatic. And uh, I, it, it is what it is. But I look at these stories, we produce a lot of stories, and sometimes I talk about culture war issues, it's important, but I wonder why it is mainstream media isn't telling us these things. A little bit they are, like I said. Wall Street Journal is reporting on the grocery stores, but what about all of these shortages, man? Why do I have two local outlets talking about their local shortages? Where's the big breaking story, food shortages across the country? Why? Maybe these outlets are worried if they say this, they'll cause a panic and people will start buying things up. Here's what I think. I think when grocery stores start speculating on food that doesn't last that long, in the next couple of months, things may get really bad. We're hearing now about the Epsilon variant, Delta plus COVID variant. Could there be a looming lockdown on the way? Maybe. Sydney just extended their lockdown another week. Maybe. But what are we getting from the mainstream media? Take a look at this mind-blowingly insane article the upside to inflation, rising wages. Fear not, young peasant. It may be very difficult for you to source your meal, but don't worry. In a month or two or maybe a year, you'll get a dollar raise. You still can't afford the food, but hey, you got a raise, right? Yeah, inflation's bad. Your savings will be decimated. Check it out from CNBC. As the economy picks up in the wake of the COVID pandemic, concerns about inflation are also gaining steam. Already prices on some goods like cars and are noticeably higher, stoking fears that a sudden uptick in inflation will decrease purchasing power over time. Although consumers may pay more, For everyday items, it's not all bad news as far as households, income, and spending goes. Companies facing a labor shortage are also paying more to get workers to walk in the door. This is not a good thing. Rising wages precipitate inflation. They think this is a good thing for you because they think you're stupid. If everybody is getting paid more, the labor, which is labor, which is the biggest cost of any business, goes up. The cost to produce the product goes up, the product itself becomes more expensive, and it's already difficult. They think you're stupid. They're trying to keep you lulled into it. Look, they want to keep you sitting there twiddling your thumbs while they buy up the goods, while they buy up the farmland. Why is Bill Gates buying up all this farmland? Yeah, there's a lot of conspiracies, sure. Vox.com says, the controversy over Bill Gates become the largest private farmland owner in the U.S. <clears throat> when um, there's increasing food shortages uh, and this one really rich guy is buying up the places where the food is made. Dude's going to make a buck, to say the least. He knows what's up. He's thinking about this. Hey, food shortages are coming. How can I how can I profit off that? Well, you can buy the companies that make the food like the manufacturing plants, the, the, you know, that refine the food and process. It. Eh, OK, that's pretty good. You know, then we'll be selling. Hey, wait a minute. Get down to the grassroots, man. Get to the bottom, the base layer, the land itself. You want food? It grows on Bill Gates property. He is going to make a hot buck. Now, I'll tell you what, man. If it, anything, if it does hit the fan, gold ain't going to be worth anything. You know, if if there's a big collapse, anybody telling you to buy gold because of the apocalypse, they don't know what they're talking about. Buying gold because you want to hedge your bet against like failing fiat and you think the world is going to persist, which it really is, to be completely honest, that's a good bet. I think precious metals is is, is a good bet. I'm not telling you to do anything. No financial advice. I think crypto, precious metals, and uh, guns— and some thing, I, I always say, like, some household item that's hard to produce, good bets. But in the absolute collapse, you know, people are going to be like, that's cool that you got gold and all, but like, I need a bottle of water and a sandwich. I can't live on gold. So gold will have some value, mate, probably. But the bet on gold is that the society is going to continue to function and people will continue to value, value it in society. Bill Gates is betting on something very different. He's buying up the farmland. Because at its base, like at the base level, the most important thing is the ability to eat. Okay, drink water, sure. But you can pull water from the air. No joke. You dig a little hole, you put some plastic or a cup down there, you know, condensation will build on the edge of the plastic, drip into the cup, boom, you get water. It's old survival technique. Maybe you don't have plastic. Use a leaf. Use two leaves. Have one and the condensation, you know, will, will, will form on the sides and then it'll drip down into the leaf below and you can pull water from the air. Typically, it only works really at night. And you got to find a stream or something. But hey, water is relatively abundant. What about food? Food's got to come from somewhere. You can forage, you can hunt, but that's tough. This guy's going to own up all that land. Them trying to tell you that your wages are going to go up are them telling you think short term. It's a stupid thing to do. You need to think long term, man. America is warned to brace for up to four years of inflation, as Fed's preferred inflation measures measure posts biggest annual increase since 1992. Maybe what these markets are predicting is that there is going to be hyperinflation. The system won't collapse completely. Your wages will go up, but the cost of food is going to be skyrocketing. If I was planning on selling a steak within the next month, and the stake was going to be increasing by 5% every single day, compounding. Yeah, it makes sense to buy as many stakes as possible right now. Hey, I can spend a buck on a stake now, sell it to you for 100 bucks at the end of the month. Make a lot of money, right? But the idea is, if I sell a stake to you for $100 at the end of the month, I'm still going to need $90 to buy the stake from the distributor because their prices go up too. They're just trying to brace for inflation. The Fed says it's coming. What have you done to brace for inflation? Let me tell you what else comes. When we talk about the labor shortage, we've also got it hitting Britain. Look, Britain could face food shortages due to lorry driver crisis. This lack of drivers, it's not just in the U.S. People in Britain as well aren't driving trucks, food's not making to its destinations. I'll tell you one thing, my friends. Today, you may have noticed there's like a little thing on my hand right there. Yeah, I was picking berries. We got berries all over the property. I went outside, collected some fresh eggs right from a chicken's butt. I know it's not really from the chickens, but I'm kidding. But right to the chicken coop, grabbed some eggs, went to the garden, picked a bunch of cherry tomatoes and a zucchini, and I fried it all up. That was my breakfast right from my own backyard. I didn't have to buy anything. I mean, I bought the chickens. All right. Well, I raised them from babies. They were cheap. They eat bugs. We pay for their feed for the most part, but you can let your chickens graze. I'm trying to be as self-sustaining as possible. So we have a garden. We have vegetables. We got zucchinis, cucumbers, tomatoes, pumpkins. We're growing pumpkins. They're getting all big. we got chickens. Chickens are growing up doing their chicken business. That's what I'm trying to do, because when I pay attention to this stuff, I get worried about international food shortages, rising gas prices around the world, infighting in OPEC could mean $4 gas prices. I mean, this is freaky stuff. You got to pay attention to what's going on. When gas prices go up, everything else will go up. All of this I am paying attention to, The, the increase in inflation. But let me just stress something. If people aren't working, nobody's making the food. If people aren't in grocery stores, there's not going to be anyone to stock the food. If nobody's at McDonald's, you can't go to McDonald's. That we understand. But a lot of people are like, so what? So I'll go to the grocery store and I'll take care of myself. Yeah. How about that? Subway trips canceled over staff shortages soar to a pandemic high. July 5th, 2021 from the city.nyc. People in New York don't drive. Some people do. People don't know this about Manhattan. A lot of the streets are commercial parking only because they don't want people parking their cars and leaving them there all day because trucks got to come in and make deliveries and people got to come in and work for their business. So people take the subway. What are you going to do if you live in New York and the subway doesn't work? Oh, you're going to ride your bike. Okay. How are you going to carry your groceries home for your family on your bike? Okay, you're going to have to get a bigger basket. And yeah, you can do it. That'll consume more energy. All of this, whether intentional or not, is very much so a great reset. Gas shortages, food shortages, stores stockpiling, inflation skyrocketing. I don't think there's going to be an apocalypse, but I do think there is going to be a curtailing of the luxury that so many people live in. Me? I think it is a gift that I wake up in the morning, we got cherry tomatoes, I walk right up pull a cherry tomato out of, pop it in my mouth. Oh, they are so delicious, man. You people living in the cities without this stuff, you are missing out. The bigger tomatoes are a lot harder, man, because the critters, they're trying to, the critters come in and they snatch those big old tomatoes. But the the zucchinis are fine. The cucumbers are great. Oh, we're going to pickle the cucumbers, the fresh eggs from the chickens, man, you are missing out. So I take a look at these cities. I take a look at the ideology of the left and what they've been talking about, and it seems like they're going to get what they want. They say people consume too much. They say too much fossil fuel is being used. Yeah. What's happening now? No truck drivers? That to me is strange. Who doesn't want a job? I guess a lot of people. If people aren't driving trucks, people aren't burning fuel. But if people aren't driving trucks, the food's not coming into the cities. Surrounding the mountain area where we live in, there's something called wine berries. They're an invasive berry species. They're everywhere. We go out for 20 minutes. We get a big old bowl of berries. We got mulberries everywhere. We got blackberries. We got black raspberry. I'll tell you what does not consume fossil fuels. Just eating the berries from the backyard. But people in cities can't do this. So I have, I have some predictions. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I can't I can't tell you what to do. But I think there's going to be a, a continuing exodus from cities Because there's going to be less and less food. The food's going to become more and more expensive while my food becomes cheaper. So think about this. Shortage of drivers, meaning trucks aren't going to be coming to the cities. There's going to be less food, more expensive food. Gas is going to become uh, more and more scarce because no one's delivering it. Now for me, I live in the middle of nowhere. I have a a decent amount of my food is my own food. Like my breakfast was, okay, I put cheese on it to be fair. Bought that from the store. 90% of what I ate this morning was just garden fresh, chicken and and veggies. I feel fantastic. It's great. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. I still rely on market for, for a lot of the meats. We don't have any chickens we can eat right now, like the full chickens. We don't have goats or anything like that. But we're planning on expanding the operation and being more self-sustaining. We're still going to rely on the local farms. But people in cities can't do this. If you don't got gas, you know, it's, it's, the food can't come in. If the food doesn't come in to the stores here, well, we're going to source from local farms. Local farms can't feed everybody. But there's a lot more self-sustaining farm work going on here than in cities. People are going to be forced to flee these cities. There's, there, people already don't want to work there. They're, they're stinky. There are people who are going to work remote, which they can. The prices will be too high. If there is a, ongoing gas shortages, which we are seeing because people aren't driving, and there's a, there's, there's a shortage of drivers. Check this out. Here's another crazy thing. Local driver reacts to rideshare shortage. It's getting harder and harder to transport people around. So here's what I think. All of these stresses, inflation and everything, is going to make living in a city impossible. People are going to have to move out to the middle of nowhere. People who live in the middle of nowhere are a bit more self-sustaining. I've mentioned this before, and a lot of people disagree, but I think it's true. When you live in the middle of nowhere, you have a septic system. That means you do your business, it goes into this big thing, and bacteria dis- destroys a lot of it, and then the, the water rises and drains out into your leach field. When done properly, our guy, he comes out and he says, guys, if you do this right, you'll never have to call me again. And we're like, a lot of dumb people don't know how to use these systems. So we'll probably end up calling you again, but it's like every few years or something. They said I've done right. Uh, I was talking to, to one guy who works the systems and he was like, he's like my system. I don't got to worry about because I know exactly what can and can't go in there and how you dispose of things properly. Big cities funnel all of the waste into the same place. Now, there are treatment plants, but then you get big, huge piles of human waste. What do they do? In many places, they just dump it into the water. Not your drinking water. In Chicago, a lot of it dump, gets dumped into, into the lake. Now, people say, oh, no, it's treated before that happens. Yeah, 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 but there's overflow. Seriously, there's overflow. So they have like a light system. I don't know if they still do this, but there's like a light. It's like red, green, and uh, red, green, and yellow. Red means don't go in the water, it's infected. Yellow means it's probably okay, but be cautious, and green is like, hey, the water's clean this time. All the water's flowing down in, in Chicago, and it's a lot of wastewater and bacteria and pollution. In On, on the coasts, they say we treat the water, but what happens when it rains? The system overflows, and that waste flows out. It is all hyper-concentrated. Long story short, the people who push the Great Reset never let a good crisis go to waste. I'm not saying they're conspiring behind closed doors and laughing and twirling their mustaches, but they all certainly agree that people should be living more sustainable lives. They've been saying it for a long time. If you move out to the country, to the suburbs, just somewhere where you have more land, you absolutely will be more sustainable and more in balance with nature. These big cities are problems. So it seems like there's a pressure, not a conspiracy. What what do I I mean by that? When you have many prominent individuals in industry— who believe something, they don't need to conspire. They just say, we're going to act in this direction. We don't want to produce these things. We don't want plastics. We don't want pollution. And we don't want to be in cities. That creates a tremendous pressure on society that changes things. People don't want to drive cars anymore. People don't want to provide drivers anymore. They don't want to support gas the gasoline industry. They don't want to support factory farming. Enough pressure in those directions and everyone else will be forced to follow suit. So what does this mean for you? I think in the next few months, expect to see some very serious inflation. I've thought about this, and I'm looking at the housing market. I'm trying to figure out a good place to hedge fiat. So I've looked into guns, gold, and Bitcoin. I'm not telling you what to do. Silver as well. Metals, guns, Bitcoin. And so far, it's been a good bet. A very, very, very good bet. I can't predict the future. Maybe I'm wrong about everything. Maybe this is just that wave traveling down the rope like I described. And once the whip cracks, everything goes back to normal. We stabilize again. Maybe. I think there is a tremendous pressure from powerful individuals to get people out of cities, to reset, to ride bikes, not drive cars, to work remotely, anything they can do to reduce carbon emissions like they've been saying for so long. I don't think it's a conspiracy when they come out and say it or when Bill Gates says he's buying up all the land. I think it's fairly obvious what they want. And what I mean by they is just powerful, influential people. They've been saying it to our faces. Don't be surprised when it happens because you are pushed into it. So, all I can really say is think about this information, figure out what's best for you and your family. Maybe get out of these cities. You want to stand by the rioting? No. Hey, I wonder why the rioters aren't being prosecuted. Some of them are. Maybe it's because they're creating a pressure on the system, which makes people want to leave cities and go live in the middle of nowhere, like me. I lived in Philly. Now we're in the middle of nowhere and I love it. We were growing our own vegetables in the, in the Philly burbs, for sure. It was awesome. We, jalapenos, man. We're growing our own basil, rosemary, kale, and jalapenos. Man, I sliced these jalapenos up, and I threw them on my eggs. Beautiful. I love it. I'm glad I got out of the city, and I'm sure many other people are as well. Just don't bring those broken policies with you. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out. I'm sorry, Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. You may have heard about the backlash and the outrage after a private school Birds and the Bees educator was exposing high schoolers to adult films under the pretext of critically analyzing the gender roles. Okay, it's kind of a weird thing to show high schoolers, but sure, the argument was, these kids are already watching this anyway, so how about we just show it to them and have them critically analyze what's happening in these adult films? Now, I personally... Think that's bad and disagree with this. But I understand, you know, uh, kids who are you have gone through puberty, they're going to start hooking up. They're going to start dating. And so there are certain things they need to be educated about. Perhaps showing them films and asking them to critically analyze it is not the appropriate way to do it. But OK, you want to have a conversation about to what extent teenagers, like 16-year-olds, are going to be learning about this stuff. Perhaps there's an argument there, but I still think this was wrong. I'll tell you where it gets even more egregious, where we can just outright say it's wrong was in her curriculum for first graders, in which she plays a cartoon where they're teaching kids about, you know, how to self-stimulate. Of course, now the mainstream media is defending her, saying nothing that she is doing is wrong. It It was just teaching kids about these things, not how to. It's not a big difference, but I'll put it this way. The only reason anyone knows about this is because of Zoom classrooms. These people are grooming and indoctrinating children. They have no sense of sanctity, purity, no moral foundation in protecting young people and believing in in some kind of loyalty. Because as we know from the moral foundations, uh, the research done by Jonathan Haidt, the only foundations the left has is care and fairness. So they don't care if they could be damaging children. They don't care about this. They just think as long as we're being fair to everybody, Which in the end doesn't necessarily mean you're actually caring about them or helping them because, you know, communism was fair. Everyone got equal access to the gulag. Do you get it? But they're doing this to your kids. And you see, the thing is, were it not for these Zoom calls and screenshots, no one would have found out about this. You need to get your kids out of these schools. Otherwise, one day they're going to come home and you're going to be like, what'd you learn in school today, son? is going to be like, screw you. You're evil. And I know they told me the truth. We went over this book with uh, Asra Omani on the Tim Kast IRL podcast, where it was, it was called Not My Idea, where a little girl starts screaming at her mother saying, I want to know the truth. Why are you lying to me? And the mom's like, what are you talking about? They taught me everything in school. What they're essentially doing is they're indoctrinating your kids. In some instances, they're grooming your kids, and it's rather disgusting. And they're preparing them, these children, to reject the authority of their own parents this is this this does not bode well for us as, as, as a nation because it's going to cause serious psychological problems for a lot of these kids, at least in my opinion. Now, let me say something. The, this New York Times article is wonderfully framed in defense of the left saying she didn't do anything wrong. But let me tell you about my experience in school and what I thought was appropriate. When I was in school, we did have education pertaining to the birds and the bees. I'm keeping things a little bit family-friendly here. And it was very academic. It was very much like here is, what, what, what do they call it when it's like a, an intersection? Um, like you can see the, like half of the body is exposed. So you can see inside the intestines and the bladder and the prostate and all that stuff. And they were explaining these basic things to us. Now, perhaps what went, uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say this went too far, but in my school, they had the girls leave and then they showed the boys basic scientific reproduction and stuff like that. They didn't talk about touching yourself and, and how to or why. They didn't get into any of that stuff. They just said, here's the body. Here's how it works. Here's what, you, here's what you need to understand about yourself. And then they brought the boys out and the girls came in and the girls went through the same thing. I don't know if that's the right thing. Maybe it makes sense to have boys and girls uh, be in a g- general bio- biology class on this on, uh, on this, educa- this kind of topic together. But not to treat it like how to actually do it. And then even still having teenagers watch adult films to critically analyze. That's, that's what they do. That's what they say. It's about critically analyzing. You might look at this and say, Tim, they're just doing a general birds and the bees stuff, right? Look, I think this is something dirtier, more devious. Take a look at this story from The Blaze. Many of you may have seen this. WAPO writer advocates for children to be exposed to kink at pride parades, igniting a tidal wave of resistance, sick, deviant, and evil. There is no limit for liberals, for the left. As I stated, in Jonathan Haidt's research, and you can take the moral foundations test. It's really fun. You take this test, and it will show you where your moral foundations are. Conservatives have all six moral foundations. Liberals have two, care and fairness. That means there's authority, purity, and loyalty and liberty that they do not have. Okay, those are the other other four. So uh, purity, for instance, protecting children, protecting what is meant to be clean and not disgusting. They don't have that. They don't care. They think kids should be exposed to kink, which leads me to one of the criticisms I have of the left, one of the biggest, and particularly Cenk Huger of the Young Turks recently, when we were talking about, Jen Huger said that you know, Ben Shapiro panicked because they are losing the culture war. I suppose that means it's not just the right, because right and left doesn't mean a whole lot, but the culture war anti-establishment, which includes mostly conservatives and the intellectual dark web types, they're losing. Well, Ben Shapiro is an intellectual dark web guy. The, the IDW mostly was like a liberal progressive thing somewhat libertarian. So they're losing. Okay. Jenk Eugen on his show on the Young Turks defended child drag shows. Now the left's immediate reaction is so what. In this video, not it's not the video they were watching, but in these drag shows, there is a child who was 11 years old taking off his clothes as men give him money. That's called stripping. Now I did a segment about this, and the left said it's not stripping because he's wearing a t-shirt and shorts underneath. They don't understand what stripping is, maybe because they've never actually gone to strip clubs or they're just lying. Uh, At many strip clubs, women don't get fully nude. They wear undergarments, but they take their clothes off and dance and are given money. These people have never been to these dance clubs, like where there are women on, on stripper poles dancing, and they're not fully exposed. Some states don't allow them to be, so that's the extent. These children are stripping for money, and it's being defended by the left. Now you see they're saying, uh, Washington Post says that children should be exposed to kink. And they tell this really weird story. There's like a comic where a little boy, is, it's, on, uh, it's on, you see it on Instagram, it's on Reddit and stuff. A little boy sees, you know, like two men engaging in a kink act, not like overtly intimate, and then the child says, like, what is going on? And then the parents like, let me explain to you what they're doing. And it's like, you know, I understand you want to educate children, but they're really getting to the point with what they're teaching kids to be outright devious. Just it's it's like extreme to put it there. There was one thing they're teaching kids about like blood play and like cutting and like, yo, 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 if you've got these preferences, man, like you can do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. But come on, kids, man. Yeah. Let me read you the story and show you how they break this down. The New York Times has a private school mm, educator, birds and the bees, defends her methods. After nine years at Dalton, why was Justine Engfont suddenly being pilloried by parents? Because they finally found out what she was telling their children. Because these Zoom meetings finally leaked their curriculum. You have no idea the horrifying things they're saying to your kids. We had the books in studio where it was asking people like, why do you think black people feel bad in their in their black skin? Like horrifyingly racist statements. They're making your kids go through this. Here's the New York Times. They say birds and bees education is a sensitive subject. But during nine years, at the prestigious Dalton School in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, seven of which she spent as the director of health and wellness, Justine Engfont seemed to be handling it with success. She developed curriculums for students from kindergarten through 12th grade hired three other health educators and organized documentary viewings, discussions, and workshops for parents. She also was a regular speaker at educational forums like the National Association of Independent Schools People of Color Conference. You see where this is going? These are the critical theorists. It's not just race. It is also gender theory. And for some reason, they want your children exposed to overtly adult content. And they say, but kids are already finding it on the internet. Hey, that's a great argument of taking away your kid's phone. The CEOs of these big tech companies don't let their kids have cell phones. What do you think that means? They know exactly what's going on and what their services and their systems are doing. Here we go. They do these viewings. One of these was Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School on the Upper West Side, which in May invited her to teach two Zoom sessions on adult film literacy and consent. To its juniors and seniors, Bill Donahue, the head of the school there, said, There may have been confusion on our part about which course we would receive. We understood the course would be under the topic of healthy sexuality workshop. A couple of parents complained afterwards, Ms. Fonte was told. But there had been about 120 students, many of whom gave her great feedback, so she didn't dwell on it. Yeah, the parents didn't know. About a week later, she woke up to find herself featured in the New York Post. Students and parents real after class on adult film literacy, said the headline. The story was followed by another soon after. Dalton parents enraged over mm, self-pleasuring videos for first graders. The articles included screenshots from Ms. Fonte's lesson, A Possibility in the Zoom Classroom World. Now, now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Maybe you're sitting there saying that you are a good old liberal, that we are wrong, that we are exaggerating, that these children should be learning these things. Okay, if you believe that, sure. Why are the parents mad? Oh, because they're being lied to by Rupert Murdoch. No, hold on. Lied to by Rupert Murdoch. Why didn't Murdoch outlets or right-wing outlets talk about this before? Why didn't parents hear about any of this before? Could it be that they don't know what the schools are teaching their children? Could it be that even if you like what this lady is doing, the parents finding out and seeing the screenshots got angry about it? Could it be that although they have been applying critical race praxis in these schools for years, it is only because of Zoom classrooms parents actually found out and are standing up and saying, we do not like this. It doesn't matter what you think. You are not the dictator of everyone else's family. And if these people, upon seeing this, are outraged and it results in the resignation of this woman, perhaps that should say something to you. Perhaps when you see that story where a teacher was like, I'm terrified, parents are going to find out what we're teaching their kids. That video leaked. Amazing. These teachers know that they're indoctrinating and in some instances grooming children and they hope the parents don't find out. Now look at the New York Times like, "Why, why is this happening? Everybody respected her. The parents don't like it and they finally got a glimpse. Now I'll say this, shame on the parents. You think you can send your kids off to a government institution without knowing what they're being told, and you don't take any responsibility for that? This is why I absolutely detest public schools and always have. I went to these schools. I saw how awful many of these teachers were. I had a couple good teachers that I can remember. Many of them, I can't remember a bunch of their names, a handful. Didn't like them. I can remember the ones I absolutely despised, and I can remember the two that I actually liked. Two because the system is broken. School sucks. That's what kids say. We all know it. And they're telling your kids insane things for insane reasons. And you don't pay attention. Get your kids out of these prisons. That's basically what they are. Kids are forced to go there. Actually, I think it was Michael Mouse, man. I, I, you know, this guy is a, he's no, no joke. Genius guy. I'm shouting him out so often because of the brilliant points he has made uh, in, the, in the time I have known him. I think it was Michael who said that one of the only places children will experience violence is going to be in school. And he's right. They're going to be locked up. They're going to be told to shut up. They can't go to the bathroom. You know what? This whole system is insane, in my opinion. It doesn't work. Homeschool your kids or, 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 or get, this, get these pods going. Stop relying on the government to take care of your children takes out. In a statement, a rep- representative for Dalton said that Ms. Fonte helped to develop an exemplary K-12 health and wellness program and that her, her work should not be overshadowed by unwarranted misinformation and hateful rhetoric. Is she out of touch? No, no. It's the parents who finally saw screenshots of her lessons who are wrong. We all watched the video. It is a video of two children talking about how they touch themselves at night, And the woman explaining to them that it's okay, and and here's why.
1: Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up
0: now, maybe you might be saying kids should know these things. If you think that's right for your children, that's fine. Sure. I disagree. But they're your kids. How about this? If parents got mad after seeing that video, those kids don't belong to you. An exemplary K-12 through health and wellness program? So strange. Why are the parents upset about it? It's misinformation? Yo, the video's publicly available. Multiple... Birds and a Bees educators interviewed for this article said there was nothing inappropriate about our classes. The parents said otherwise. Who are these people to determine what is is or isn't appropriate for someone's child? You see the problem here. The worldview of the left is we know what's best for you. Shut your mouth. You're wrong. My worldview is more libertarian. My worldview is like, you're the parents. Far be it for me to tell your kid what to do. Now, if your kid is infringing on the rights of other kids, like, you know, you better believe it. We're gonna have some words. If your kid's going around setting fires or something, yeah, we're gonna stop that kid. But if we're talking about whether you want your kid to play football or basketball, well, that's entirely on you. I'm not gonna tell you. Football's bad because they'll get head injuries. Yeah, well, maybe, but you know, look, that's that's on the parent, you know, to play sports. Now, if you come out and say, we want to teach him certain things. I'm actually going to lean a little bit more towards the purity side and say, I don't think this is appropriate for children, but I am still a bit more libertarian, and I think the parents are going to have to make some of these harder decisions on how to teach their kids these things. The point is, these, these, these educators have no right to claim they're doing the right thing when clearly parents are freaking out over this. The national standards are also used in public schools in New York City, where students in grades 6 through 12 take lessons on sexuality as part of their edu- health education. Parents can opt out of certain aspects of the program. The material for her first grade class never used the term, <clears throat> self, uh, the, the, the literal term for self pleasure. I'm not going to say on YouTube. Ms. Fonte said recently, the lesson was about private parts being private and included a cartoon in which two characters use anatomically correct names for their privates and say sometimes it feels good to touch them. It's so, I'm not even going to read this, this sentence, okay? They're trying to make it seem like teaching kids about self gratification is more, they're trying to make it seem, That they're stopping predators. This is the creepiest, creepiest thing. Look at this. Quote, I equip them with a way they can exercise body agency and consent by knowing exactly what those parts are, what they are called, and how to take care of them. That was paired with lessons around what are the different ways to say no? What's the difference between a secret and a surprise? And why you should never have a secret between a grown-up and you? Because it's never your responsibility as a child to hold a secret or information of a grown-up. Isn't there a really weird and interesting overlap between the creepy indoctrination and what they're saying? There should never be a secret between a child and a grown up that think about what that means. I think there absolutely should be. Now, I understand the manipulation they're doing. She's trying to say, like, if, a, if somebody was abusing a kid, don't keep it a secret. But what if your, your dad at home says, you know, don't tell the neighbors that, you know, we recently got a PS5. No one should know that I bought you this PS5 because we don't want people breaking in and we don't want people to think that we're well off or something like that. What if he said, I, I got a million dollars because I had one of my, uh, you know, what, 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 I got one of my feet crushed under a truck and I really wouldn't like anyone to know about this. There are tons of things that are supposed to be kept in the family. Who are they to say that a child should not have a secret between a grown-up and you? And what does that mean? Now, perhaps, there's, there's, there is a, you know, a, a positive element there. If there is a creepy non-family member doing something to these kids, they shouldn't keep that a secret. But there's a difference between saying, if somebody is inappropriately touching you or making you feel uncomfortable, you can tell anyone and not be scared. That's different from saying you should never have a secret with grown-ups ever. It seems kind of creepy to me because it falls into this idea of snitching on your parents. Now this, not absolutely, but it overlaps. They, they, like, like in the Soviet era, They tell the kids, or in Nazi Germany, snitch on your parents if they say anything in opposition to us. Jenny Knoll, professor of human development and family studies at Penn State, is the principal investigator of the Safe and Healthy Communities Initiative in Pennsylvania. As part of the initiative, more than 14,000 second graders have been taught the names of their body parts and about healthy boundaries. They learn what is safe, how to get help, and that it's not their fault. You see how they're doing this? You can touch yourself. I don't know that kids need to be told it's, it's okay. But I don't think kids need to hold that it's not okay, Or maybe the parents should be allowed to know about this. That's what it ultimately comes down to. If you as a parent want your kids to learn this, sure, I guess, not my kids. But if parents didn't know this was happening, and then they found out through these videos and it got them really angry, and this woman was forced to resign, doesn't that say something about what's happening in our schools? They're going to get your kids. There's a creepy song that's going viral right now where it's a, a, a choir of gay men saying, we're going to convert your children. We're going to get your kids and things like that. I don't, uh, at first I thought it was supposed to be sarcastic, like they were mocking the idea. And then I actually read the lyrics and no, it's serious. And they're like, we'll make an ally of you yet once we have your children. Yes, they understand this principle that many on the right and many individualists and libertarian types don't understand. They are going to brainwash your kids in a variety of ways. It will be done insidiously, not overtly. It will be a slow, creeping change where one day your kid will be playing t-ball with you and the next day he'll come back and he will be a deviant. Let's talk about this drag kid. The Young Turks overtly defend child stripping. That's what it is. I don't, you, you can try and play semantics with me. I, I've been to strip clubs. I know strippers. I'm from the South side of Chicago, baby. I know all about this stuff. And I know that in many clubs in many states, they can't get fully nude. This child was stripping, and these people are defending it, and the young Turks are defending it. When this kid was interviewed, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, an advocate. That ain't a job, dude. An advocate? I guess technically it could be a job you know, speaking on behalf of a community or whatever, but there, he's basically saying what the parents tell him to say. He doesn't know what the world is made of. And this is, this, this is what you get when children are indoctrinated. Will he, what, what, what are you equipping your children for? This, this, this kid's going to grow up. Many people are speculating about as to like what he will do, how he will behave. And, and, and we'll see because um, maybe he will just grow out of it. Maybe be embarrassed by it. Who knows? Maybe he'll embrace it perhaps. You know, these kids are being propped up and they're being lavished with money. Why would they change the world, the only world they know? So we don't know for sure. But there's a lot of kids. A lot of them don't understand what's, 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 what's going on. And they'll grow up and they'll change and they will hate all of this. And I think the, the ultimate goal for many on the left is to maybe put them in a position where they can't do anything about it. You either agree you're forced in or else. That's the creepy thing about all of this. If you think Sending your kids to a government institution where you can't monitor them, monitor them, where you have no idea what they're being taught is a good idea. I think you're being a bad parent. I don't care. I don't care. I've been through the school. I've been to schools. I mean, I'm sure many of you have, but I've been in these public schools. I have seen what these teachers do. I experienced this. I had bad teachers. And you know what? Most of the people I know have a similar experience. Teachers were awful. I have a couple I can name that I thought were really, really great, and I'm lucky to have had them. But these kids are going into places where they're being told insane things for insane reasons. They're being abused in a variety of ways. And you're not there. You're not there to raise your kids. And a lot of people are saying, my kids need to go to school because I have to go to work. It used to be that your kid would go to work with you. And I understand that's not possible these days. But now I just look at the decay of the system and I don't think it's an excuse. Maybe it's too difficult. I don't know. I don't have kids. That's a fair point. But you think about the kid used to watch the dad work. The daughter used to watch the dad or the mom or whoever work, and they would learn from them directly. That's why I think pods are a really brilliant idea. You get uh, one parent one day out of the week who teaches the kids for the day, and the kids get a different parent going over different books. And, they all, and all the parents know exactly what the kids are, kids are being taught. The kids are socializing with each other. They're going to the park. You know, one parent could be like, I'm dumb as a box of rocks. How about I bring them to the park and have them socially interact and learn better social skills? One parent might be like, I'm really good at math. How about I take math day? And then one day out of the week, there's one, one parent from this, group of pod, from this pod, which probably is going to include, I mean, you got one kid in the pod, maybe two parents. So you might have more parents than kids. In, in a lot of ways. You might have uh, more kids than parents if the parents are having more than one kid, for sure. But then these kids can learn in the real world. They can learn from someone who actually knows and cares about them, who will be held accountable by the other parents. I think schools are trash. I think this stuff is dangerous. I think if parents are mad about this, then what I'm saying is true. And I think there's a lot of deviant and disgusting people who are trying to expose your children to inappropriate things. Take a look at this from ground.news at the top. We have this bar, and it shows us the bias of the outlet and the and the story. 100% of these stories were written by the right. Now, the story itself about kink at pride was written by the Washington Post. But criticism of this only comes from the right. The left is okay with showing adult activities to children. I'm not. And I think that's where ultimately you start getting, you know, whether or not someone is conservative they're moral foundations. You can be left on the uh, uh, economic scale to a certain degree. That's why left and right are ultimately meaningless. I'll add one last thing. Libertarians, they only have one moral foundation and it's liberty. No joke. It's funny. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. The Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter has said the American flag is a hate symbol and they know that people who fly it are racist. Now, does this mean that Democrats hate the American flag? Yes, actually, it does. Now, it's, tip, it's actually a technicality. There's a poll showing that about 58% or so of Democrats say they do want to fly the American flag. So hey, actually, Democrat voter base rejects this notion. It doesn't matter, however. These are the activists that are leading the Democratic Party. You can say that Donald Trump took over the Republican Party. He's the leader. Sure. And Bernie Sanders is the prominent leader on the left. Regular run of the mill people who aren't paying attention aren't the ones leading the charge. That's why it's so important you speak up. We are seeing more and more in the mainstream MSNBC saying that the, the American flag, it was disturbing to see it on the back of trucks because Trump supporters are racist or whatever. We're seeing Nike shoes when they wanted to put the original American flag on it. They canceled it. It was racist. It keeps happening. Then you get the New York Times writing an article saying that among regular people, the American flag has become divisive. Yes, it keeps happening. So you get this. Run-of-the-mill Republicans, run-of-the-mill Democrats who, don't, who mostly don't pay attention probably like the American flag. You know what that means if you as an individual like the American flag and you speak up, chances are the people around you who are Democrats will probably agree. But they don't know this. They just follow the lead of the mainstream media. That's not telling them all of this stuff, or they're not paying attention because it's not on CNN. Meanwhile, the activists very much are trying to cancel the American flag. This just means these these polls show you it is safe for you to speak up. Stop being so scared. In order for these extremists to win, they must keep you subdued. That's why you got to speak up and say, "No, nah, I like the flag." In fact, go to work, bring a little American flag, and put it on your desk. And and actually, here's what you can do. Here's something clever: get a bunch of little American flags, bring them to your workplace, and hand them out. And just be like, "I was just doing something nice." You at the Fourth of July, I gave everybody a little American flag. See how they respond? What do they gonna do? Yell at you for supporting the flag? See how many people go, "Oh, oh," and get all angry? Expose them for being extremists. You know why? Because then your your, 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 your your, uh, uh, cubicle partner, or the next cubicle cubicle over, who is a default liberal who thinks Trump is evil, will be like, oh, thanks for the American flag. That's really nice of you. And then they'll see someone going, American flags are bad. And they'll say, no, no, they're not. Why are they yelling about the American flag? That's right. Because I'll tell you this. I got friends. I talked to them, uh, friends who are liberals. And when I say this stuff, they're like, that's not true. They don't hate America. They don't hate the American flag. Okay, bring an American flag to a rally and hand it to somebody and be like, hey, fly the American flag. See what they say. They're going to be like, how dare you see what happens when regular people have American flags that they're like, oh, that's cool. How are they going to respond? The Daily Mail reports, quote, when we see this flag, we know the person flying it is a racist. Black Lives Matter in Utah sparks outrage with 4th of July post calling the stars and stripes a symbol of hate. They say the head of the organization defended the post, which the group wrote in response to a white supremacist march that took place in Philadelphia. When we black Americans see this flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is a racist. When we see this flag, we know that person flying it lives in a different America than we do. These people are psychotic extremists, who are burning everything down around us. And if you don't stand up and defend your flag, the flag will not defend you back. Now, look, somebody owns a flag. They want to burn it. I'm in favor of people doing what they want with their own property. I wouldn't do it. i don't like it. I think it's disrespectful. But, you know, I'm fairly libertarian, okay? People are allowed to do what they want with their own property within reason, so long as it's safe. Don't start a fire somewhere. That's bad. But, you know, if you're in your backyard or something. Now, as for those who want to say that everyone else is the problem for flying the flag, no, 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 no. listen. You're allowed to do what you want with your property. But it is a very serious problem when the other uh, major political party in this country is entertaining the idea that the country is bad. We do not want People in Congress who are burning the American flag. We want people in Congress who are who are there because they respect the flag. There's challenges. We're absolutely allowed to reject and, and demand uh, consen- the, the, the consent of the government be honored for sure. And if these people want to fly a different flag, by all means. But this means something serious is coming because if they want to fly a different flag in this country, well, they, they they're not represented by the flag of this country. When we declared independence, we didn't fly the Union Jack, the flag of Great Britain. We flew the American flag. And they said, you are British subjects. You must fly our flag. And they said, no. Yeah, I respect that. They said, we're going to make our own country. We're out. These people are trying to take over our country. The colonists, the, the American revolutionaries didn't go to Britain and demand Britain give them all the power. That's the difference. They are. These people are trying to take power from our government. I'm all about you do you, right? We talk about. The counties in East Oregon, they want to secede and join Idaho, I'm like, consent of the governed. If a large group of Black Lives Matter individuals, say California, were like, we want to secede from the union, I'd be like, okay. Now, to be fair, that is the more libertarian in me, and we heard from Charlie Kirk and Will Chamberlain about being a conservative. And you can quote Ulysses S. Grant when he said that the union sacrificed blood and treasure to admit these states into the union, and that debt, you know, you can't can't just walk away without paying that debt. Here's the post on Facebook. They said, when we see black, when we black Americans see this flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is racist. When we see this flag, we know that person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you. It is a symbol of hatred. We question your intelligence. Isn't that really, really amazing, huh? They're going to say another commenter wrote, I love this flag and love this country. I fly it proudly regardless of what you want to call me. Another Twitter user accused BLM of declaring war on the US. Fly your flag proudly, the commenter wrote. If you don't have one, please get one or even print one for your window and prepare for the worst because it's coming. It is. Look, you can criticize America. But typically, the burning of the flag was not meant to call for the dissolution of this country. I mean, sure, some people probably felt that way. When I see a flag being burned, I see it as a protest against what the government has become, but not an act of war against this country. When a group of people say the founding is racist, you're wrong. They're indoctrinating your kids. They're grooming your kids, and they're desecrating the flag. I mean, come on, dude. At a certain point, you need to recognize we are being gutted from the inside out. One Twitter user wrote, based on this tweet, I think BLM Utah should transition to BLM Cuba and let's see if they like to fly this flag. Let's see if they like this flag next 4th of July. Respecting the flag and our ancestors who gave their lives it, both black and white, is non-negotiable. So there was some crazy march. I don't know a lot about this group. They marched in Philadelphia. That's what they're mad about, I guess. Yo, crazy people exist. You don't see me complaining about the pride flag. I'm not going to say that about the pride. You can fly it if you want, Whatever. Now, I think when they fly the flag above the U.S. flag or take the U.S. flag down for the pride flag, we got a problem. But you see how they're the extremists. They find these fringe groups and they say, all of you are the problem. They see a group of a couple dozen morons marching around and they say, every single one of you flies this flag. And I'm sitting here with my little American flag like, yo, what did I do? I don't know what you're talking about. My family, for the most part, emigrated here, mixed race relationship, had kids. Fought really hard for civil rights, found the American dream. Yo, why are you yelling at me? I like the American flag. My family had to fight tooth and nail to get here. Part of them. Dad's side of my family was here for a while, but mostly not here. Like, I don't, I don't have a family history that goes back, I think, to like, you know, the 1600s or whatever. I think my family at the earliest was like 1800s. I could be wrong, though. It's, it's hard to trace all that stuff back. I do know that my mom's side of the family, immigrants, yeah, they came here for the American dream, they found it. And they had to fight for civil rights. Both my my grandfather and my grandmother's side both had to fight for for their rights. That's the reality of this country, that anything is possible, that we can improve. Now they're threatening to just burn it all to the ground. Now, you may be saying, Tim, it's one group, and we don't think that they actually, you know, that the the greater Democratic Party believes these things. Okay, okay. look, I want to be fair. From CBS News, more Americans to fly U.S. flag this year, CBS News poll. As they have in years past, most Americans plan to fly the American flag from their homes this 4th of July. Well, it's long since it's, it's not long, since, but it's been a few days. And most also plan to watch a fireworks display, though not necessarily in person. 63% say they will fly the American flag. while 33% say they will not. Now, let's, let's break this down. 63% say they're going to fly the American flag. Hey, I like that. That's great. 33 say they won't. Now, of that 33%, how many of them hate the flag, and that's why they're not flying it? And how many of them are just like, I don't know, I don't got a flag, I don't really care all that much? So that'd be interesting to see. The yes is clearly a support for the flag. The no is not necessarily opposition to it. The percentage of Americans who say they will fly the flag on the 4th of July is similar to what it's been in the past. Now it's 63. In 2020, it was 53. 2019, it was 63. Weird, right? I don't understand that fluctuation. They say, most Americans of all political stripes will fly the flag. But Republicans have traditionally been most likely to do so. This year is no exception. 80% of Republicans will fly the American flag compared to 58% of Democrats and 53% of independents. In 2020, fewer than half of Democrats and independents say they would fly the flag. Check this out. In 2020, only 40% of Democrats said they would fly the flag. Now that is creepy. I find it creepy. The Democratic Party legit does not like this country. 58% 58% of Dems now say they will. Why? Well, probably that 18% were, you know, anti-Trump Democrats. What does this mean? It means that there is a large swath of Democratic voters who are uninitiated, default liberals who don't pay attention. So here's what you do. Buy little American flags from the store and hand them to your Democrat co-workers. Don't say anything political. Just be like, hey, I got these flags on the 4th of July. Do you want one? Someone will be like, no, I don't want it. That's fine. Some might be like, yeah, sure. And then have them fly the flag, because maybe when, the, when these people who do like the flag but don't pay attention, get attacked and insulted and scared, might realize something bad truly is happening. You know, I'd be interested to see what would happen if someone had an American flag on their car in New York City. Probably nothing, to be honest. You know, people walk around with MAGA hats thinking the world's going to end, and typically doesn't happen. You know, you walk with a MAGA hat into a, a, an Antifa rally or a leftist rally, you might get some trouble. You fly the American flag some of these rallies, you might get in trouble. I'll tell you this, go fly on American flag at a Bernie Sanders event. See what happens. What I'm trying to point out is it is very dangerous for us when we have stories like Mara Gay on MSNBC, disturbing to see dozens of American flags on trucks in Long Island. So let's talk about the moral foundations, what it means to be liberal and what it means to be conservative. Conservatives typically respect the institutions of this country and want to uphold uh, a conservative typically refers to as I typically refers to people who are trying to maintain some element of the status quo the idea among the idea academically among the idea of conservatism is the system is working it is stable let's improve upon it but maintain those values that have helped us make it this far liberals in the academic sense and the colloquial sense in the way we use it now have no interest in our past institutions, and only believe in care and fairness based on the moral foundations. So what makes someone a conservative? Well, there are liberals and there are conservatives in the tribal sense. I think if you were to track just on tribal politics, then it's fair to say that left and right is probably the better word, better word for it because you've also got libertarian, centrist, populist, etc. Left and right. Clearly, we are on the right side of the culture war, both figuratively and literally. The left is something entirely else. Establishment politics and socialists working together in a very strange way. The right, however, doesn't tolerate fascists, racists. It's mostly libertarian and conservative. So what does it, what it, what it, what any of this actually boil down to, I suppose? The left doesn't like the flag. That worries me. Democrats kind of like the flag, but mostly don't. It seems like we are headed towards, I guess, some kind of conflict. Because what happens when our embassies are flying the flag of a fringe minority? Let me make, let me, let me break this down for you. If 58% of Democrats want to fly the American flag, then who are these embassies to fly the Black Lives Matter flag? Who are these government institutions to paint Black Lives Matter in the street? I think it's simple. The left doesn't care about the, the Bill of Rights. They don't. They hate it. They actually talk about why the First Amendment is wrong. They talk about why the Second Amendment is wrong. And they don't realize that this has been one of the like one of the reasons we've succeeded and been safe for so long. I'll put it this way. Conservatives tend to have something right. They have all six moral foundations in balance. Libertarians only have liberty and or or mostly liberty. And liberals tend to mostly just have care and fairness.
2: You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down. Tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com carlson. That's carshield.com carlson. Visit now.
0: The Bill of Rights has kept us safe. It has protected us. And we look around the world at what's going on, and it's, it's fairly bad in terms of the lockdowns and the oppression. So thank the Bill of Rights. Let's put it this way. If conservatives want to conserve the institutions that have served us well and protected us, I can respect that. If liberals don't care at all about these things, I also think fine. But if they're trying to now tear them down, there's something else. We need a different word. Left liberals have care and fairness. They don't care all that much about our institutions. But it doesn't mean they're trying to destroy them. That's the thing. Imagine this, you build a great wall and it protects you from hordes of giant, I don't know, dinosaurs or something. Your great wall defends you. You know, throughout your g- generations, you grew up, your parents say, that big wall we have on the horizon is guarding us from the Titans. You know, you ever say attack on Titan? One day the left liberals show up and they're like, who cares about the wall? The wall is dumb. We don't need it. We need equality. Let the wall crumble for all I care. They ignore the wall. They don't repair it, but they're not destroying it. Now you have a new element that says the wall is evil. The wall is racist. The wall must be torn down. Tear down this wall. And then the Titans come in and gobble you up. That's the show, I guess. There's giant monsters that eat people or something. Anyway, the point is, just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad. Just because it's old doesn't mean you can ignore it. Just because it's old doesn't mean it should be gotten rid of. There are many old things we should get rid of. There are many old things that I think are bad. But you look at the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, the, the, the principles of classical liberalism, and they have made this one of the freest and best countries in the world. We've uplifted so many different uh, marginalized groups. To tear down those institutions would be to tear down the wall protecting human rights. That's the problem. It doesn't mean you're conservative if you're in favor of defending human rights, though typically conservatives are the ones who want to preserve these institutions. The new element of left extremist is not the liberal type. Liberals just don't care. They don't pay attention. This new faction wants to burn everything to the ground. Don't believe me? Evanston, Illinois, canceled its 4th of July parade over COVID, but had Juneteenth and pride celebrations. How does that make sense? It doesn't. They're using COVID as an excuse to destroy our cultural institutions. So when we celebrate the founding of this country, we have fireworks, bombs bursting in air, reminding us of the hard fought war to win our independence from the crown. We're trying to tell our children a lesson, but over time we lose it. We really do. That lesson is not being taught in schools. It's not being taught by parents. And now people are like, ooh, pretty lights. It's, it's supposed to mean something. You're supposed to never forget the blood that was shed defending freedom. How about the Civil War? You're not supposed to forget that either. What do we get? A bunch of lunatics tearing down statues. Sure, I'm not, I don't like the statues that honor any of these people, but they don't need to honor them. They can be reminders of the things we don't like. So perhaps take the statues down, put them in a museum, and then put up some kind of plaque saying, here's used to stand this statue when we did not want in any way to honor people we thought were bad. Over time, we get rid of bad things. We keep the good things. You see how it works? Just because something came from a long time ago doesn't mean it's a bad thing. There's a reason why we kept it, and there is a reason why we get rid of the bad things. If they're going to be canceling the 4th of July, if they're going to be disturbed by the American flag, at what point do we say these people do not represent this country? The United States is not a mass of power. The United States was born on a certain day, gestating over a certain period of time with a revolution, with traditions, with founding principles. We've got rid of some of those bad ideas, and we've improved upon the country with the amendments. We have preserved the good and added more good to the mix. If you believe in those amendments and that Bill of Rights and the Constitution, we then we're doing a good job and you believe in this country these people want to burn it all to the ground they hate our flag they hate our language there's a funny meme where they're like if you're white you can't speak spanish that's weird someone and the response is may i introduce you to the enchi- entire country of spain these people don't realize that spain's a european country of white people so weird isn't it they don't make sense with what they're proposing they come out right and say the flag is bad Bad people fly a lot of symbols. That doesn't mean we lose our right to fly those symbols. I got a couple Gadsden flags. Bad people fly Gadsden flags, you know, whatever. Bad people fly anarchist flags, you know, whatever. The flags mean something. It's it's not about the person waving it. You can insult the person. The flag means something else. This American flag is a flag for everybody in this country. And if we're going to sit back and let our institutions, our cultures, our traditions, and everything be destroyed, eventually there will be no country left. Certainly there are some traditions that should go because they make no sense. Following tradition because that's the way it's always been done, stupid. But looking back at, say, like Blackstone's formulation and the Fifth Amendment and the rest of the Bill of Rights and saying, now we've always done it this way, it's actually a good thing. Let's keep those good things. We can be critical and assess the founding of this country and then seek to preserve it and improve it. These people aren't doing that. These people seek to criticize Make sure everything is framed negatively. Tell us our flag is bad. Our songs are bad. Our traditions are bad. They say the color of your skin is a problem. It's falling apart. Maybe the Great American Experiment was just that, an experiment. Maybe the idea of all this grand multiculturalism wasn't going to work. Because inevitably, as, as time changes, ideologies emerge within different cultural factions. And then, well, they don't like it. They don't like the country. They criticize the country for being evil. So there you go. Eventually, in a long enough period of time, there won't be a country. Because think about it. They'll change the name. If these people who hate this country eventually took over, do you think they would be like, we're proud of American history? No. They'd erase the history books. They'd take the flag down. They'd change the flag. They'd change the name. It's a different country at that point. Preserving your nation. Is that conservative? If it is, we're in serious trouble. Because liberals, not conservatives, used to actually agree on waving the American flag. Most still do, it seems. But if this continues to fester, it's all going to fall apart. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?